you want Jesus to touch them, and you're going to raise your hand. And here's what's going to happen. In this room right now, right now, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is here. And the Holy Spirit is working in this place. And he's here right now. And as I share God's word in your heart, the Holy Spirit is going to be working in you with the word of God. Because at the end of the sermon, the Holy Spirit wants you to respond. Because every time God speaks, he expects a response. And so he's going to expect you to respond today. And he's going to say, whoever wants Jesus, raise your hand. And at the count of three, I, I don't want you to be the third one, the fourth one. I want you to be the very first one to raise your hand. And you're going to receive Jesus. And he's going to enter in your heart. And so as you hear the word, just be sensitive to God. And let the spirit work in and through you. And once you raise your hand, we're going to have, I know it's hot, but we're going to have a hot party up in this house. Because you are coming to Jesus. And God is going to save you. And so... It's crazy because uh, the 16th of this month, uh, I gave my life to Jesus in the tent in the Bronx. It's been over thir 30 years now that I did what you're about to do today. I did it 30 years ago, and that was the best decision of my life. And so today, God is granting you the opportunity to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. So let us pray. We're going to the word. In Jesus' name. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. For your presence is evident in this place, God. You're here. We're here. And so, God, we want to take advantage of your presence for you to speak to us, God. For you to challenge us, Lord. For you to mold us, God. Father God, that your word gives us direction, perspective. And as a result, Lord, transformation may happen in our hearts, God. Father God, only your word could do what it does best. And so, Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you challenge us, that you speak to us, that you equip us, that you may shift us, oh, Lord. Shift us, God. That a part of us today may be buried, that a part of us today may be put in the sepulcher, that a part of us today may die. And that we may walk this walk with you, God. And for that, I ask you, Lord, to use me for your glory. I can't do this without you, Lord. Without you, Lord, I am just noise and rubbish. But when you use, my God, people like us, God, and your power operates through us, it is your power that changes and touches and equips and, and lifts up, God. And so, Father, I hide under your grace. I depend on you, God, and I promise, God, that I will give you the glory for what you're going to do in this room today. God, I give you all the glory and all the honor. In your name we pray. Amen. Ooh. Today I'm going to talk about surrendering your will. Surrendering your will. And I want to invite you to go with me to Psalm Chapter number 20. Psalm chapter number 20. Amen. God is here. You have it? Psalm, Psalm 20? 
And I want to read, I, I, I originally have given the media team the entire chapter to read, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to focus on verse 4. Psalms chapter 20, verse 4. And it reads, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it says, May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. I'm going to read it again. He says, the psalmist is telling the people on behalf of God through a prayer of worship. He says, may, the, may he, referring to God, may he give you the desire of your heart. The word heart is not Not what he's talking about. The word heart there is mind, will. May he give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. How true is this verse? Is there such a thing for God to give us the desires of our hearts? But before you say yes, think about the question. Is that something that God could actually do? The desires of my heart? I know people that their desire is to lose 50 pounds overnight. Father, I'm going to sleep. When I wake up, God, I want to be. <laughs> and you wake up in the morning just as robust as you was. That's a good word, right? Robust. As you went to sleep. But the psalmist said that he will give you the desire of your heart. Some of us desire for God to kill our spouse. Some of us desire to have the house of our neighbors. Father, would, he, would you fire him so I could get his, his job? He says he will give you the desires of your heart, but will he really do that? The desires of my heart? Is it that God is conditioned to my desires? My desires. God, who doesn't need anyone to be God, now is limited and conditioned to my desires. Is that a realistic prayer that the psalmist is praying to God on behalf of his people? Because last I read, the people of Israel, their heart was evil. And the psalmist is saying, give them the desires of their heart. 
how could that be? When in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 and 10, look at what the prophet says. He says, it's a little space between the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. So the psalmist is saying, God's going to give you all the desires of your heart. But then Jeremiah says, but the heart is deceitful. So is God going to give you deceit? Is God going to give you those deceitful things in your heart? So it's obvious, obvious that there's a problem in this text. Because if God were to live out that scripture, Psalms 24, verbatim, by, 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 by what he says, then, then we will all be living a different life. Let me start off by saying this. Living, listen to me, living our lives to do his will is the will of God. When God says he's going to give you the desires of your heart, we have to understand it in that context. That as I live my life, I have to live it to do his will. And as I do his will, that's his will for me. So the desires I desire in his will are not my desires outside of his will. That's why when, when we get saved, one of the things, those of you that are going to come to Jesus today, when, when I gave my life to Jesus, here's what I told God. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. When I say that, what I'm saying is I am surrendering. I am abandoning my heart, my life, and my soul. And if I'm getting rid of all of that, it's because now I'm going to get all that God has for me. So as I receive what God has for me, my will now is no longer the will I had before I was outside of God. Now my will is to do the will of God that he put in me when I did away with my desires. So what's my will? My will is to do your will. This is why Jesus taught. When he prayed, he taught his disciples. And he told them, they said, Master, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, our will must be always in alignment to heaven. My will has got to be in alignment with heaven. So this will 
is not a will stemmed out of initiation, but it is a will that stems out of adoption. The will I initiated is the reason why I became a sinner. But when I did away with the will that I initiated and I took the will that I adopted, which is the will of God, now in his will, I am living a life where God says, ask me and I will give you the desires. Whose desires? Not my desires. God's desires in my heart becomes my desire to worship him. So living our lives to do his will is God's will for us. Let me tell you something. This sounds really easy, preaching it and you hearing it. But sometimes surrendering to God's will is a hard thing to do. Can I get a good amen? Sometimes surrendering to God's will isn't easy. Because God, listen, God's will at times isn't the most convenient one for us. Jesus, the son of God. When he is found at one of the most excruciating moments of his life. In a place called Gethsemane. Look at what he prays to the father in Matthew chapter 26 verse 39. He says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible May this cup be taken from me. What is he saying? God, if it's possible, let it be my will that I don't go through this way because they're going to whip me 40 minus 1. They're going to put a crown of thorns on my head. They're going to put a spear on my side. I'm going to get beat up. I'm going to get bruised. I'm going to get crucified. He says, if it's up to me, God, if it's my will, take this cup from me. But, but then, but then. The mundane, the human Jesus gets back into place with the divine Jesus. And then he says, yet not as I will. Because here's what I, my will is, I don't want to die. My will is, I don't want to get whipped. My will, I don't want to get a crown on my head. My will, I don't want to get beat up. My will, I don't want nobody to talk about me. My will, I don't want to lose friends. My will, I don't want to be alone. But then he understands that my will died when I came to Jesus. And now when I accept Jesus, it is not me that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And then he says, but your will be done. I'd rather get whipped in your will than be in the drinking a pina colada outside of your will. I'd rather be on a cross in your will than be accepted by everybody outside of your will. When you understand the power of the will of God, you can say, like the psalmist said, but the problem with us is our definition of God's will is exception of struggle. For us, the definition of God's will is absence of pain. But let me tell you about God's will, church. God's will sometimes will take you to prison. You don't believe me? Ask Paul. When Paul was Saul, he lived in the Sanhedrin. When Paul was Saul of Tarsus, he lived 
in the upper echelon of society, when Paul was Saul of Tarsus, everybody respected him. But it wasn't until Saul did away with his will and he became a servant of the will of God, he started experiencing persecution. He started experiencing hatred by his fellow uh, Pharisee folk. He began to become a prisoner. Most of the Apostle Paul's letters were written in prison. You would think, if I'm in the will of God, why am I put in prison? If I'm in the will of God, why am I locked up in Rome? If I'm in the will of God, but let me tell you, there's something about understanding the will of God, that the will of God is not based on the outer appearance. The will of God is based on understanding that my will is to do his will. God's will may take you to prison, metaphorically speaking. Not literally. Don't be going to jail because you, you know, don't rob, don't rob in your jail. No, God, no, devil is a liar. God's will may raise haters on your behalf. God's will for Joseph caused his brothers to hate him. God's will. Listen. Would put you in a crisis. But here's what I learned about God's will. God's will will always make you do his will. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me rewind that. <laughs> Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, Many are the plan of the righteous, but the purpose of the Lord will stand. Sometimes, and every time, rather, God's will over your life, listen to me, will come to pass. Let me explain that. Listen to me. And it'll come to pass in a way that doesn't make sense. God's will for Jonah was, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city, and I want you to preach repentance. That was God's will for Jonah. But Jonah had another will. And Jonah's will was, I'm going to buy a plane, a boat ticket, and I'm going to Tarshish. And he went the opposite direction of God's will. God's will was Nineveh. Jonah's will was Tarshish. And it looked as if Jonah did away with God's will, and he did his own will. He got on the boat. The boat was not going to Nineveh. The boat was going to Tarshish. And while Jonah was in the boat on his way to Tarshish. The dude went to sleep because he felt he was comfortable doing his will. But while he was sleeping in the delight of his will, God had a big fish under the water and he had a storm waiting for Jonah because at the end of the day, it is the will of God that will always prevail. Now, sometimes God does not allow you to fulfill your will and he just pushes you to his will. But sometimes God allows you to do your your will and while you're in your will a storm will rise and a big whale will come and when you feel like you're about to capitulate and die that's the moment that God reveals himself and says you thought your will was great get yourself out of this whale you thought your will was great get yourself out of the out of the storm and it ain't till you get to repentance and get on your knees that then God takes you out of your will and puts you back in his will so that his will can come to pass in your 
your life. So here's what you do in the middle of your pain, in the middle of the whale. Say, God, not my will be done, but your will be done so that when the fish spits you out, Some of y'all are experiencing a storm because you decided to go down your will instead of God's will. And God said, all right, do you, Baba. Do you, baby. I got you. Do you. Go ahead, buy the ticket. Go. And while you're sleeping in your will, God is orchestrating some things because at the end of the day, his purpose will prevail in your life. Listen. Sometimes God's will will keep you away from your dreams. When I grow up, when I get old, we have to start saying, when I'm a Christian, now that I'm saved, our way of seeing life has got to be from God's will, not my will. Listen to me. Now, let me tell you something about will. And let me tell you something about purpose. Every will comes out of purpose. Because sometimes God's will is not the convenient one. Lot went for convenience. And his wife turned into a pillar of sorrow. Lot went after convenience and God burned the city. Abraham went under God's will. And in the mountain, he saw the providence and the move of God in his life. Listen to me, church. God is calling us to surrender. To surrender our will. Abraham understood that God's will was not based on green pastures. But walking in obedience, in obedience with him. That's why the Bible says that God will grant you the desires of your heart. But not your heart, his heart. Because those desires are really his desires. That God has placed those desires in you so that you can want them and then they become yours by association with him. So every decision you must make must always align to God's design over your life. But sometimes, Pastor, God's will is rough. Sometimes God's will is tough. And we tend to fight God's will. We tend to go against God's will. Because in our mind, we rationalize purpose from our finite perspective. And we say, it's better my way. It's easier my way. And we live most of our Christian life fighting God over his purpose of our lives. It's a constant battle. But we should not. Fight and wrestle against the Lord over his will over our life. Which leads me to a story in the Bible. Between a man and a mule. Found in the book of Numbers chapter 22 verse 21 through 33. Listen to, let's read this portion of scripture. Between Balaam and a donkey. Balaam, verse 21, 
got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood on the road to stop him, to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey, the donkey, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing on the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. And Balaam beat it back on the road. And the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. He got even tougher for this guy. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam. And he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. And it said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? And Balaam answered to the donkey, you have made a fool of me. You have made a fool of my vision, of my plan, of my dreams. You have made a fool. If I only had a sword in my hand, I will kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, at all this, this idiot of a man doesn't know that a donkey is talking. But anyway, the donkey said to Balaam, I am not... Am I not your donkey, which you have always written to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you, you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from these three times. If it had not turned away, I would surely have killed you by now. By I, but I would have spared it. Listen to this. This is a man of God who had a purpose by God who decided to go based on his will. And the donkey, who cannot talk, starts ministering to a human who could talk. While the human is beating on the donkey, because the donkey is obedient. Listen to me. There are some humans that are more foolish than animals. For 120 years, Noah was preaching. And no one got saved except animals. Balaam is being intercepted by God three, not one time, not two times, three times. And Balaam has his own will and he's going against How many times God has put a donkey in your path? How many times have God put a narrow situation in your road and you still want to do you? And God is using even a donkey to talk to you. God is using even, even, the, even the rocks. God has used unbelievers to tell you, well, why are you smoking? Aren't you a Christian? But why, don't you go to church? 
sometimes our will is convenient. But God has a purpose for us. So here's what we must do. We must learn, listen to me, we must learn to trust him. Because to surrender is to trust him. You can't say, I trust the Lord, and you don't surrender to the Lord. Psalms 37, verse 3 and 4 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Listen, listen. To trust the Lord to surrender. Let me give you an example. Suppose I'm in a five-story building on the fifth floor. Yeah, let me make it more dramatic. I'm on the 25th floor. No, no, too, too high. <laughs> I get, I guess, I get uh, sick. Uh, five feet, let me five feet. Five-story building. I'm in a five-story building. And in my apartment, it catches on fire. I can't go out the main door. The door's burning in fire, on fire. I can't go to the kitchen, get water. The kitchen's on fire. I can't go to the bathroom. The bathroom's on fire. I'm in the farthest room from the apartment door exit. So what I do is, as the smoke and the burning sensation is getting in close proximity to me, I do what every sane person would do. Go crawl to the ground, go to the nearest window, open the window, and try to grasp some air. Now, the fire is going to do what it will do, which is burn. As I open the window and I look down, listen to me, I see firemen with a net on the ground. I'm on the fifth floor. I'm already feeling the burning sensation of the fire. And as I look down, I see seven to eight firemen holding a net, telling me to jump. I have two choices to make. One, because of my fear of height, I won't jump and I will burn to death. Or choice number two, jump. But here's the thing. I don't know those guys. But they're telling me, trust me, I got you. I got 15 seconds to make a decision. Now, 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 now. What saves me? The jump or the nets? There have been a lot of people that jumped out of a window, but they had no one to catch them. So the jump didn't save them, they died. So here I am at the precipice of the window about to make the greatest decision of my life. And I have to choose to trust these guys who I don't know, but their purpose is to save lives or say, no, I'd rather not trust you 
and do it my way and burn and die. God has a net called salvation. God has a net called his plan and his will. And sometimes we fight God in the middle of the fiery situations in our home and in our job and in our workplace and our conditions and our habits and our addictions. And we're like, God, I, I want to trust you, but I'm scared. I want to trust you, but I'm here to tell you today. You cannot surrender if you don't trust him. You can't say you're surrendering to Jesus and you're not trusting to jump and take a leap of faith. Don't tell me you surrender to the Lord and every time God tells you jump and give away that stuff and cut this out. And that's the last thing you do because you're playing it safe with the, with, between your will and God's purpose. He's calling us today to jump. Metaphorically speaking, please don't start jumping on fifth floors. To surrender is to commit to him. He says commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn and your vindication like the noonday. So to surrender is to trust. To surrender, here's another one. To surrender is to wait. To wait on him. To surrender. Look what the Bible says, verse 7. Be still before the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. He says, Papa, 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 if you're in my purpose and you, your will is to do my will, just be patient. Be patient. Because at the end of the day, I know what I'm going to do in and through you. And you want it now and you want it overnight and you want a microwave. But he, if you just stay still, if you just be still in the Lord and you wait patiently on me, while you start seeing that everybody's prospering and growing and being big, don't go crazy and don't go left. Stay right there, because when you least expect it, I will open your eyes to see the salvation of the Lord. To surrender is to wait on him. Here's another one. To surrender is to have hope in him. Verse 34. Hope in the Lord and keep his way. Then he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are destroyed, you will see it. So in conclusion, church, we must trust, we must commit, we must wait, and we must hope on the Lord. Listen to me. To be able to see God's kingdom come to fruition in our lives. This is why Jesus prayed. He said in Matthew 16, 10, your kingdom come. Here's how God's kingdom come. Look at the next phrase. His will. God's kingdom is the byproduct of his will in our lives. Your kingdom come through your will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Hebrews tells us in chapter 10, verse 36, it says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. God is calling us to persevere in our surrendering towards his will. To eyewitness the provision of the Lord. John chapter 638. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven. Check this out. This is this is Jesus. This is God. He says, I have come down from heaven not to do my will. We're talking about Jesus, who is God. He says, By the way, I came to this world 
not to do my will. If he didn't come to do his will, that means he had a will. I didn't come to do my will. He says, but to do the will of he who sent me. Church, we must live our lives to do God's will. Mark 33, 35, Jesus says, look what he says, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mama. Whoever does the will of God is God's family. You're not part of God's family because you have a Christian bumper sticker in your car. You're not a part of God's family because in your profile and Facebook, you have a little bird with an NB logo on it. That doesn't make you family. You are part of God's family when you do the will of God. And then he takes it deeper. Chapter 9 of John, verse 31, second part, he says, But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, <laughs> God listens to him. So who does God listen? To worshipers that does the will of God. He says, anyone that is a worshiper of God, because we have a lot of worshipers that don't do the will of God. <laughs> we have a lot of worshipers. <laughs> Oh, we worship in the tub, we worship in the, in the shower, we worship in the car, we worship in the iPhone, we worship in the turnpike, 417, we, we, we just, we just posting nice worships and quotes and, and all of these hashtags. He said, no, 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 don't get it twisted. Here's how I know a true worshiper. When you listen, when your will is to do my will. When you do what God does and has for you to do. So what we say, I surrender. I want to know. The more you know God, the less you want to be you. So the more you hold on to you is the less you know God. The more you hold on to your dreams and your plans and you and you and you and you, what you're telling God is, I don't know you. But when we abandon ourselves of us, I remember there was a song we used to sing, and I'm not going to sing it, but it used to go, just forget about yourself. Concent I'm singing it. Concentrate on him and worship him. There's something about doing away with ourselves. There's something about doing away with ourselves. So when we obey the Lord, church, I'm done. He listens to us and to our prayers. So in conclusion, church, we must surrender our will to God's will. Friend, I told you I was going to count to three. I'm going to count to three right now. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. God has a will for you. He had one with me. And I said yes to his will. August 16, 1989, under a tent. 
149 Brook, Brook Avenue in the Bronx. I said yes to God's will. I had plans. I had a will. I had a dream. And I put that all aside for the will of God in my life. And I did that by saying, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you myself. That was the best thing I've ever surrendered in my life. Surrendering myself was the greatest gift I gave me to embrace Jesus' will for me. And so today, friend, God is calling you. And he is telling you, embrace my will. So that when you embrace my will, I will then give you the desires of your heart. So I'm going to count to three. And I would like for every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. And if you're here, friend, and you want Jesus, you want to embrace his will, at the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand to the sky like a rocket. And I want you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, I want you to see yourself on that fifth floor. The fire of the enemy. You have to make a choice. Am I going to jump and leap in faith, trusting that God will catch me? Or will I continue in the flames of my life, trying to figure things out on my own? And so if you're here and you want Jesus, not religion, Jesus. Please don't be the second one to raise your hand or the fifth. But with your eye closed and your head bowed, I want you to be the first one when I count to three. All over this room, unafraid, unashamed. This is why God brought you to church. To surrender your will for his. So here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hand. I see one hand. I see two hands. I see three. I see four. I see five. I see six. I see seven. Come on, church. They're coming to Jesus. Come on, church. They're making a choice to give their will up for the will of Jesus. Now, here's what I want to do. The Bible says that for every person that comes to the Lord, we believe there's a party in heaven. So I'm going to count. I'm going to ask you now when I tell you to come to the front. And when I tell you to come to the front, the whole church is going to stand up. And we're going to applaud you. We're going to give God glory because today you made the greatest decision of your life, which is to come to Jesus. So when I say come, that's going to be your cue to get out of your chair and come up here and let me find a way to hug you. Ready? One, two, three. Come. 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 Come on, church. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Come on, church. Come on. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. If you raise your hand, surrender.